to Divine Throughline. I am Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really truly means to live a life divine. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey everyone, so amazing to be connecting with you all this week on the pod on my podcast, Divine Throughline still blows my mind how we can reach each other and connect via this amazing medium. So anyway, thanks for taking the time. Uh, This week, I'm going to be presenting day two of my beloved retreat in Miami in February. Um, This discussion uh, really kind of reveals for me what I think is a core issue that we are on the cusp of completely transforming as women and as feminine energies uh, living on planet Earth. It became very, very clear to me that so many of us are not able to advocate for ourselves. We've been, you know, programmed and, and raised, and it's, I don't even think it's a necessarily a situational um, uh, effect. I think it's so ingrained in the way that we live in the culture that uh, we've been trained as women to um, kind of go without, to be the peacemakers, to make someone else feel better, um, to, uh, to sacrifice ourselves. And uh, maybe some of these aspects are, you know, maybe natural, but I would have to say that they're out of balance because I really, truly have experienced and know that when we all, male, female, or, or otherwise, are fully rooted and in service to ourselves, and when we recognize ourselves as a divine energy, a, a divine life form, um, then we can fully fill ourselves up to be the most expressive, the most supportive, the most powerful, um, the most capable, the most responsible energetic life forms uh, you know, imaginable. And so it all comes back to this service to self. Um, and it's not service to selfish, it's service to self as a divine organism. And how can we really learn to advocate and know ourselves and treat ourselves as if we were the most divine, precious child that we had ever encountered in our entire life. So, This conversation uh, kind of deepens uh, into some of those areas. Um, It was a beautiful, beautiful experience to be able to share in this way with so many amazing women. Um, These processes or retreats are open to both men and women. Um, It just kind of landed that way, uh, that we had all women at this event. I am super happy that I'm going to be returning to the sacred space in November The dates are November 8th through the 11th, um, or maybe it's the 12th. Um, It's a three and a half day program. 
the exact same one that I taught. And we're looking very forward to that, to sharing in that way. I'm going to have uh, Amber Rhea, who is my partner in Shriya. You've heard us singing some devotional chants in the weeks past. Um, also Leah, the beautiful Leah, who photographed This Cheese is Nuts and uh, great, great portions of the Plant Power Way and also uh, Plant Power Italia. And also my dear friend Sadie, who I'm going to be featuring on the podcast at the end of the month, she is going to be coming with her microcurrent machine so she can bless some of us with these high vibe facials and we can start to infuse the face with a repatterning of, of a natural beauty that is emanating from within. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, if you're interested, you'll find the details under my retreat tab at my site, srimati.com. But before we get into the episode, a couple things that I want to mention. Uh, I am overjoyed and excited to formally announce that we are in the pre-order phase for my book, um, The Plant Power Way Italia. It is also Rich's book. This is something that we do in partnership. Uh, all of the recipes I created over the last couple years. And if it seems like kind of an amazing feat that I was able to churn out two books so close to each other, it's because they sort of worked in collaboration. We all know that Italian food, uh, a, a, a foundational part of Italian food are all the amazing delic delicious cheeses and creamy, tangy uh, tastes that are within all the lasagnas and the uh, eggplant parmigiana and fettuccine alfredo and all of these beautiful dishes that we know and love and crave, um, they are all centered around cheese. And as you guys know, in my book, This Cheese is Nuts, I mastered um, creating plant-based cheeses at home. So what I've done in this book is taken the technology and my wisdom from that work, and I went ahead and rolled it into this book, reinventing always. So I think there are only three recipes from This Cheese is Nuts that are there in absolute form. And then what I did is I used the principles of the cheese recipes and changed the ingredients and created even more cheese recipes for you guys. So I'm super proud of this book. I happen to love Italian food. It's a big book. It's the follow-up to The Plant Power Way. This is a coffee table book. Many of you guys know that Rich and I do these incredible retreats every year, and one of our most precious locations is the villa in Italy that I've been going to for almost 20 years. Uh, the owners, it's called Aisolana, and the founders and owners are Giovanni and Francesco Toscano. So they have become like my brothers. Uh, this is an extraordinary experience. It is a high-end experience. It is not something that is available to everyone. Uh, with this book, we invite you to join us on retreat. So we share, again, some aspirational lifestyle elements within the food, you know, intermixed within the food, aspects of tea ceremony, of practicing yoga, of running in the countryside, of really embracing yourself as your most beloved, of being in community, um, all of these aspects, music, all the elements that we share on retreat, we have included in this cookbook. Uh, and it is a real cookbook. There are over 125 recipes in this book. The photography is plentiful. 
And um, I have to thank Leah Morosevich and also McClay Harriet for the amazing images that they captured. I also want to give a shout out to my Plant Power Way retreat attendees, my tribe, the Jai tribe, who all joined us and they were game to be photographed. And we had this incredible dinner uh, in the countryside that uh, was just extraordinary, which ended up being the cover. So anyway, the book is available for pre-order now. It would mean the world to me if you would order a copy, pre-order a copy uh, or two, maybe give one to a friend. Pre-orders are very important in the world of publishing. It helps us to establish our relationship and to keep the support flowing for ongoing projects. Um, Next up on my deck are another cookbook and also a memoir that I'm working on. And it's important that I demonstrate that uh, these books are valued and are wanted by our readers and by our followers. So if um, you've gotten anything out of the podcast, if it's been your friend along the way, um, I have, I think this is episode 110 today. So 110 episodes of free content over the past two years, just in this podcast alone. Um, I would love it now if you would uh, bless me and go ahead and pre-order, only if that's comfortable to you. Um, It would be amazing. So anyway, now for the big announcement. Are you guys ready? Okay, so as I just talked to you about this amazing retreat experience that we go on every year, our May 2018 retreat has been sold out for quite some time now. But as a surprise, um, we are offering one free spot to a lucky, blessed um, female reader. And this came about, this is the moment of woman. It's the moment of celebrating, supporting, and acknowledging the women in our lives. This is sort of the way it flowed and landed. This is a shared room. Um, It is for the full week. It's for meals and all the programs and all the experience to come in and be a part of our tribe. We were able to offer a free space at our Plant Power Ireland retreat, which was just extraordinary. And uh, our beautiful dear tribe member, Claudia, who came from Texas, um, she loved it and it changed her life. And she had actually kept like a memo on her mirror that said, you know, that she she manifested that. So anyway, uh, if you want to get in uh, on the giveaway, please go to my site, srimati.com. You can enter to win there. Uh, please share it with your friends, as many people as uh, are are desiring can join in the contest and a random winner will be picked um, on the release date. I think maybe the day after release date. So on 425, the dates of the plant power retreat are May 19th to the 26th of this year. So it's coming up soon. You do have to get yourself to Italy. So um, transportation is your responsibility, but once you get there, um, the entire um, experience is our gift to you. So anyway, good luck. I hope you enjoy playing, and um, there's going to be more coming up in the weeks to come uh, around the book, around the Plant Power Way, Italia. So thank you, Um, and super exciting. I want to talk about an amazing project I had a, a lovely listener, Allison Zatarain, send me uh, an, an email and actually send me a beautiful vinyl and a CD of a project that she's working on. 
and it's called Instant Love. And what this collaboration is, is it's songs between women. So it's celebrating mothers, daughters, sisters, friends, lovers with this extraordinary music project. And so what this is, is it is a compilation of songs. Uh, Most of them are covers. I believe they're all covers. And they're sung by women. So um, this Instant Love was launched by Instant Records, which was founded by Richard Richard G. I'm just going to say Richard G because I can't pronounce his name. Let me just try it. Okay. Richard Gotten Her, Herr. Richard Gotten Herr, founder of The Orchard. He's a songwriter and producer of Blondie, Hey, The Go-Go's, Awesome, The Ravenettes, etc., So this is totally cool. Um, And they released 17 singles in 2017. And they also released uh, the Instant Love Volume album uh, early in January this last year. No, this year, 2018. So they have volume two coming out in summer, fall of 2018. They also just launched a podcast. And you can stream all of it on SoundCloud. So if you go to Instant Love on SoundCloud, you can find... Um, how to stream the whole co- collection. Um, it's pretty groovy, actually, and I was thrilled that Allison gave me permission to use for this week's podcast a cover of the incredible, extraordinary Leonard Cohen's I'm Your Man. This is sung and performed by Holly Miranda. It was my favorite track on the album, and I thought it was really apropos and fitting to share with you guys this week because. You know, we're, like I said, we're having a hard time advocating for ourselves and we've been so trained to be um, peacemakers and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a it's going to maybe a little bit of a dark song or, um, but it's deep and real and I do love Leonard Cohen. I'm really happy to see Allison involved in a project like this and all the other female artists as well. And I'm really hopeful and looking forward to Uh, women songwriters writing songs about ourselves that are in a completely different paradigm. Uh, But for now, uh, I give you Leonard Cohen. So anyway, enjoy the track. Uh, Check out Instant Love. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Until next week, I'm sending you and your family so much love. Um, let me know how the conversation landed with you and I'll look forward to being back with the show next week, another episode coming at you. I actually have like eight shows recorded now, which is a a place that I haven't been at recently. So anyway, I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of this content with you over the coming weeks. Thank you for everyone who has made a donation to my beautiful Patreon tribe, who keep the donations coming every month, and this allows me to produce this show. Um, and uh, just also want to say thank you for your time. There's so much information that's being put out in all areas of this globe, and um, I know that you have a choice, and I know that your time is precious. So thank you for tuning in, and I'm sending you and your family lots of love and blessings. Until next week, namaste and love. Okay, so um, so we're on day two of Beloved Retreat. It is a day of stepping into really the awareness of just how sacred our life is and just how 
magnificent it is that each one of us is alive in a body right now on planet Earth. And there's a lot of um, attention given to everything that's wrong on the planet and to being spun out in the culture uh, with political uh, craziness that's happening in the world today. Um, and it can be such a distraction from putting our attention into creating the life that we came here to embody. And Again, it's important that we know what's going on, that we realize what's going on, but we have to be careful that we don't step into an arena of feeling like if we're part of the critique, we are then creating something good. Because um, it's that old saying that if you're fighting for peace, you're still fighting. Um, and it's, it's a very tricky thing, I find, with humanity and the personality and the ego and all of us that come into this life with a certain pain body or a certain set of traumas. And those traumas sort of uh, inform us and lead us to pair and couple and interact with people who have maybe similar traumas or a trauma pattern that fits ours or soothes ours in a certain way. And so it's really quite interesting how we seek out these energies in our relationship so that we can, uh, I think, reconcile ultimately. But if we just stop at the, um, if we just stop and we don't evolve, what happens is the ego, there's a certain kind of satisfaction in the identification of the problem, right? So even when we see it in the culture, um, there's something that feels very satisfying for an ego or personality to say, um, you know, that is not, that's not right, and I don't agree with that, and this other person agrees with me, and so now three of us have agreed, or 30,000 of us have agreed, and we've agreed, and then you feel like, oh, someone's agreed with me. So I suddenly feel verified, and then we go about our life, and we go to bed that night, and what did we, what did we do? Like, what is that agreement really doing? Um, so I think that, especially in the world today, there's so much chaos and craziness. I mean, just things that we never thought we would see in our lifetime. And we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in the drama in the circus, in the commentary that goes back and forth and back and forth. So life is precious. These moments are precious. When we... Um, we're in tea ceremony, just before I turned the mic on, we were sharing our experience in tea ceremony, drinking living tea that was introduced to me by Tea Master Wuda of Sacred, um, Sacred Tea Hut, Sage Tea Hut, uh, Global Tea Hut, there you go, it was coming. Uh, GlobalTeaHut.org, uh, if you're interested in getting involved in drinking tea with us, please subscribe, it's a donation based, he's an amazing individual, a dear friend, really a lovely, lovely, uh, energy to have as a support uh, on, the, on the path. But we were sharing the beauty of tea and how much depth you all felt. None of you had had tea ceremony before. Some of you felt an instant quickening and energy inside your body. 
Other people felt a deep stillness, a deep peace. Um, other people felt uh, sort of epiphanies and awarenesses that had come to them, reflections on their own experience. It's such a um, relevant practice for us in the modern world. And again, we're drinking living tea. Uh, today we had living tea from livingtea.net, my friend Colin Hudon's company. And these trees are hundreds of years old. Uh, they're organic. They are hand, this tea is hand-picked and, and fermented. And we're ingesting the wisdom of the trees. And the trees have lived, lived on the planet much longer than humans have. And they are masters of communication and masters of community. And so it's really a beautiful practice to be able to align ourselves in that way and possibly take on and, and imbibe some of these energies that the trees are masters of, that they really are these great beings. Um, so that's a really beautiful thing. I just feel like... Um, today is about us really stepping into the awareness of just how important our life is. It's, it's important and then not important, like we're very significant and then completely insignificant at the same time. Uh, but we are alive in a body. We're on planet Earth. This is an unprecedented time in history. Um, it's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that we're meeting each other in this sacred space during retreat. And I feel like really connecting with that depth will allow us to look at the way that we're spending our time. And, you know, a lot of humans are, I was just feeling the beauty of humanity yesterday, like at such a great level about how beautiful humans are really. There's so many amazing people. And I had this great desire to um, highlight and showcase and make people aware of all the amazing things that humanity is doing. And if you look at the culture, what, what is thrown at us all day, it's all the circus. It, even the people we idolize in our culture are not the people that are devoting their lives to transforming, you know, helping people in suffering, um, helping people find themselves you know, just expressing beautiful art, just doing amazing, beautiful, authentic expressions. And instead, all of the focus of the culture is on celebrity-driven things, which is just a whole fantasy of projection, of looking at image. Um, and then it's also on the train wreck. And getting back to this one aspect, I think the ego, the pain body loves to be right you know, like almost, you know, in an addictive self. It feels so right when it can criticize someone or something and find, uh, find communion in that. <laughs> and if we really examine that closely, it's such a misaligned use of action or misaligned use of energy. So every human or all of us have exactly the same time available in the day and how we choose to spend that time you know, small acts, small acts every day in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, as you go out the tra trajectory, it's a massive shift, massive, massive shift. And so for me, the tea ceremony or what I'm cultivating in that with the guidance of Master Wuda is while I'm pouring tea to be, it's the presence, it's the depth of the presence that we're able to cultivate 
that brings this miraculous or this grace or, or this immense divine beauty that, uh, that is beyond anything our mind can really grasp. And so everything in the tea, the way that you place the, the cup, the way that you turn the cup when you serve it, the way you wash it, the way um, you sit, you hold it, you smell it, you ingest it, it's all to cultivate this very high level of presence. And if you consider that the human body is a, is a divine mechanism and we're all activating this uh, amazing energy in ceremony, in tea ceremony, also in yoga practice, this presence has an intelligence and it has the power to heal, to transform, and to manifest the beauty of creation, which is channeling through each one of us in this beautiful, beautiful, unique way. And so while the tea ceremony is very simple, it's also very deep and very profound. And I've been practicing it now maybe three years, but um, the depths in this simplicity, in this lineage, in this connection with earth, with the trees, uh, with creation as a whole, uh, is of course, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper through this practice. And so, um, yeah, I think keeping our awareness on the presence, the power of the presence, the power of the presence is something that can profoundly embody us and profoundly shift much. And so in a modern world, when we think about what we want to create, what we want to experience in our lives, most of us are taught that we're in a driven culture. So we have to you know, have goals, set goals, check the boxes, as someone shared today about meditation. Um, she was sharing that she just does it to check the box because she has it off, off of her list. Um, so many of us are working in a goal system, which is a linear system. It's coming from, you know, the will. Like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to grab my piece of the pie. I'm going to get it. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to claim it. And I'm going to get my piece. And now I would say that there's more of a shift or a great shift upon us that is cultivated in the magnetic resonance of the truth of who you are. And so one could say that a meditation practice could be the most viable business act that you engage in in your life. Uh, I'm not gonna say that if you're a spiritual, spiritually um, dedicated student or seeker or practitioner that that means you're going to be wealthy and rich. Um, that's not the point. Uh, but the point is you will be more and more aligned to the truth of who you are so that you can um, be in your vibration and allow things to come to you. So as they appear, then you, you can gently choose, I'm engaging here. Okay, that's a choice, I'm going to engage with this. Or there's a choice, I'm going to engage here. I'm gonna let that one fly by. I'm gonna let that one travel by. So there's much more of a softness in life. And you know, wherever we go, there we are. So you're not gonna earn your way out of facing yourself. And you're not going to achieve your way out of this experience called life. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a traumatic story um, in order to be authentic. Um, wherever you are, that is a summation of your experience. It's your doing. So if you, no matter how so-called 
uh, traumatic it is or how so-called amazing it is, it's still the sum total of your life experience. And um, I had a, an Indian master once share with me this idea, which is, this is what I'm going to get to, uh, which I think is the ultimate um, maybe bringing to the knees of the human or the ego or the personality is that uh, there are millions of moments that happen in life, millions. And as personalities, ego personalities, based on whatever our set of experiences, we choose to pick up different experiences and we start to create a story about them. So somebody might say, oh, everybody hates me, my mother didn't want me, and she got pregnant with me, and then I was born, and she never wanted me, she always preferred my brother, and then you get a little bit older, and it's like no one ever picked me for the kickball team, and then you get a little bit older, and it's like nobody likes me, I can never get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you've created this chain of experience which the ego starts to say, that's who I am. I'm an unloved, unwanted person. And also, less common, there are people that build a chain of happiness. So they'll say, I'm so lucky, I always win, everyone loves me, um, I know I'm going to get whatever I want in life, and they create that chain of experience. And what he used to share is that both are lies. They have nothing to do with the consciousness of who you are. And what is it about you that made you pick up that exact experience? So if you look at, you know, we've all heard, heard stories of so many humans where you say, yeah, you know, it's so weird. Like you can have two, two people come from the same circumstance and they both create a completely different life out of it. Like it really is individual. So I think that ultimately, the ultimate realization or awakening that brings us to our knees is the realization that the human personality in this life that we've created around us for security and for stability, and to be able to count on people forever is just an illusion. Because everything that we love and covet and cherish in our life will melt away. It's the nature of life. And so um, I certainly have experienced in, in my life when we feel that we can depend on a partner, on a lover, on a husband, wife, whatever, and we get in that moment of either extreme illness or you know, some huge event that's very traumatic, we can't, and we may find that person is not there or was not able to show up in the way that we hoped. And that's not really a commentary on how the other person is, and often what we do as an ego personality is then, then we create a story about the other person well, I thought they were this person, but then they turned out not to be that person, and they weren't able to be there for me. And ultimately, this play is bringing us to the, rea the reality that your life is solely about you and consciousness and the way you interact with it. And so this is why I wanted to sponsor and cultivate this beloved experience that we're all uh, participating in this week so that we can truly cultivate this connection with our 
most ultimate, most beautiful relationship, which is creation, consciousness, the universe, force, whatever you want to call it, that is coming through each one of us in this very unique way. And I want to cultivate this union with that source so beautifully and so purely and so deeply that then we can choose to play in many experiences. And I'm a hopeless romantic. I love being in love, you know, and that's great. Um, but to think that a lover is the ultimate answer to your life is just not true. And even maybe those of us that are mothers, when we go beyond that and you experience the human relationship that is the closest to how we are loved by consciousness, by the force, is that mother-child. And, you know, as I've shared with so many of you, my oldest boys moved out, you know, last month, and I was, you know, cried my eyes out, you know, and they, they live in the same city, and I just had dinner with them. Like, it's not, it's not like they really went that far away, but it was the completion of this era of this illusion of this, you're my only one in the whole world, you know? And, you know, Leo was telling me, you know, well, it's okay, you know, they're not that far away. And I was like, you don't get it. Like, they held my cheeks and they were like, oh, you're the most amazing person in my whole life. <laughs> and that went on for years, you know? <laughs> so I know you guys, you know, so many mothers in here and, and I know every mother and every parent, I mean, it's, you know, probably the cruelest thing, you know, for our personality, but ultimately, it's really only about you and consciousness. That is the only thing that is going to lift you up to your highest expression. And even in illness or in trauma, it's really about you overcoming that or transforming that or merging with that because no one can take it from you or handle it for you nor do they want to. It just sort of renders you in this place where they, they can't be a part of it. You know, it's happening between you and the pain, you and the trauma, and nobody's, nobody's in that with you, you know? And so, uh, so that is really, I think, the, the real trauma of humanity is when we get to that realization and really, really understand it. And it comes in layers and levels. And, you know, I have much to explore in there. You know, I'm still living happily in my illusion in, in different areas of my life. But I think that that's, that's the big thing. So uh, life will not make us necessarily have traumas in order to arrive at that, at that situation. So um, that's what I wanted to present today. And I wanted to open the mic up, though, to sort of any subject, um, so it could be a sort of like Ashri anything, or you can comment on anything that was said before if you would like to contribute in any way or ask any question whatsoever. So thank you for listening. When I opened my mouth, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. So. Does anybody want to try? <laughs> See, and as I'm keeping open, so as I'm being open, I'll find one thing to flesh out, and then I'll be three quarters through, and I'm like, I have no idea where this is going. And then all of a sudden, the other cue comes in. But it's that thing we were talking about. We were talking about at lunch earlier about 
uh, music and sound and about the amazing musical performances of, of some musicians that are spontaneous that sort of allow that through. So um, anyone? Okay, I'll ask something. <laughs> uh, Sri, I'm thinking about, because we were talking about, and I'm very goal-oriented, uh, and uh, to have a vision for, for whatever you want to happen in your life. Uh, but then again, the other side is, like you were talking about, going with the flow and catching the opportunities and those two are sort of in contrary, a little bit. But I also feel like if you don't have any vision for what you want with your life, you're just going to be adrift, like the wind will take you wherever. So that's something I'm, I'm thinking about, and uh, wonder if you could just, just dwell on that or just talk about that a little bit, vision towards go with the flow and... Beautiful. Thanks, Jenny. That's a really great question and very confusing. And I think a lot of times when I was early studying different spiritual texts, you know, they would say this thing about detachment. And I was like, what do you mean detachment? Like, you know, I'm in this, like I'm committed. <laughs> what do you mean about detachment? So I think what it is, is I think it's a dance. First of all, I want to say that there is nothing wrong with having an ego. Having an ego is part of being a human being. And everybody that's in a body has some portion of an ego or we wouldn't even be in a life. So as I've looked at it in my, someone looking at me from the outside maybe could say, oh, well, she's, um, she's, she has a big ego because she likes to be photographed or um, she has an ego because um, she knows that she was supposed to be uh, or felt that she was supposed to be speaking in front of people or singing in front of people. Or the fact that, you know, I love beautiful clothes and beautiful garments and design and this type of thing. And later in my life, I started to, I used to judge that and kind of, actually, I never really felt it, but I could understand how someone might view me from the outside that way. And then I realized that these type of elements are necessary for me to be sitting here. Because if I was a person that didn't really enjoy this or didn't really thrive in this, I might be in a cave somewhere and not really interacting. So... That Rich helped me with this when, when I held space for him to become his, you know, most ultimate self and, and saw him in that vision even when he was not there, even when he was trapped in a lot of uh, darker experiences. Um, I started to hold that space for myself and I decided to trust myself. And I really think that this is a super loving thing that we can do is trust your divine design. And if you like something or something gives you pleasure or something gives you enjoyment, trust it. Because why do you have it? You either have it so you can go into some dark hole and like work it out and hit the wall, right? Or you have it because it's an attribute that's going to fuel you in some other area of your life. So I started to embrace the fact that I like fashion, that, you know, chances are until I die, I will probably be the person in the room with the coolest pants. <laughs> like, you know, I was a fashion designer. I had people chase me down on the streets often to ask me what I'm wearing, you know, talk to me about my hat. It happens all the time. 
but I was a fashion designer and I'm an artist. And you know, did you see that movie, Searching for Sugarman? Did you guys see it? Oh my goodness. I mean, so the story is, is that he was a, an amazing artist who released a record and the US, he had no success in the US and then the, rec the album gets picked up in South Africa and he's a huge star in South Africa but nobody knows who he is. And so in the movie, the filmmaker goes back and finds him to tell him that he's been famous in South Africa for all these years. But when he finds him, he's painting houses but he's dressed like Mick Jagger. Seriously, like he never stopped being him. And, and I was just like, I don't ever have to stop doing that. Like, I don't ever have to start, stop loving amazing clothes. And I never will. And no matter how far on the coil I get, off the mortal coil, or how enlightened I get, it's a choice of experience for me, you know? And robes and spiritual shrouds is also an outfit. It's also a choice of outfit, you know? So as long as I am honoring my being as sacred, we can be different, you know? We can be very different. So I would really encourage all of us to honor the unique things about you. So getting back to the goals and the allowing things to happen, I think it's both. I think it's a dance between both. And the, the issue is, I would say vision, um, explore, specify what it is you want. Um, I always use something called this or something higher, this or something greater. Recognizing that from your vantage point, you can't see the whole playing field. And in my experience expressed in my life, I would say by allowing space for the not knowing and offering that space over to that force that's greater than yours, when I get out of bed in the morning, my feet hit the floor and I'm on my knees. First act of the day. Then I begin my day. Because I start that way and then I go and my personality is like, oh, I love this shiny red bike or I love this or I wanna create this or I'm feeling this. Then I go into meditation and really what is really resonant with me speaks to me. Or I may have to say, okay, I have to say no to that because that's not really in the right alignment. And then I work really hard. There's a lot of action, you know, that takes place. It's like the, the cookbooks aren't gonna get written if I don't write them, if I don't create the, the recipes, if Leah and I aren't shooting. It's not, it's not gonna happen. So it's a tremendous amount of output and yet there's a lot of letting go and a lot of flowing. And so even in the process, if I ask my publisher for something and she can't give it to me and it's not exactly what I want, I might try one soft reply with another offering. Like, let me offer it to you now on a purple plate. So I hear you, now let's just look at it on this plate. And then if she says no, I'm just gonna trust her, because she's part of the team. So I'm gonna say, okay, that's the way it fell. That's the way it landed, so I have to trust. So I think it's that combination of those two things. So you're still gonna dream, you're still gonna experience, you're gonna plan your life. If I hadn't ever thought of anything, I never would have built my home, Jai Home. You know, it doesn't come out of nothing. Building a home from a raw land doesn't come out of nothing. So 
there's a lot, but I will say, and I haven't really gotten to the answer of this yet, but I'm almost getting old enough where I can look at this. I have an inkling that if I looked back in the rearview mirror on my life, on my life, that all the most just wondrous things that came to me came with no effort from my personality. It's qu quite amazing. So, and things showed up, uh, as I was talking yesterday, we were talking about me holding the space for Rich to actualize himself and the fact that I just made the decision to love him exactly how he was, even though he was eating in and out burgers and drinking venti coffee, you know, coffees with ad shots and, you know, having a lot of dense energetic experience. Um, and somehow by holding that vibration and trusting her, meaning the force creation, I, I gave his life to her and I said, I trust you. So now let me relax and let me just be happy in my life and let me be grateful and let me be true to me and let me love more and more and more. And then in the end, she like delivered me like my ultimate man, like exactly the way he looked. I mean, he didn't always look like this. He looked, he actually looked different. So it's just a giggle when you look at it. And, you know, they always say like, the universe knows your heart's desires better than you know them yourself. So if you were allowed to create your life today exactly the way you wanted it, it would be far less than what the universe has in store for you. That I know absolutely through experience. So I hope that helps. I think it's important to say you're not passive in that state of letting go. It's, you're still in complete devotion and trust and you have faith in, in the highest outcome. And I think that's what makes all the difference. Like, you know, some people can be like, okay, if I just like surrender to it and, and do nothing, then actually nothing's gonna happen. But there's a whole another element I think you have, maybe you can expand on that, uh, like passivity versus devotion maybe, or? Yeah, I guess, well that is, that, thanks Leah, that's a really good point. And, and a lot of people ask me this, you know, they're like, well, how did you do it? You know, I'm like, I have no idea. No, um, it's this thing I call extreme faith. I chose to have extreme faith, and it's a choice. So every time something happens, you can jump on that uh, pain body criticism bandwagon that is predominant in the culture that feels very right and verified when you call that out and you're like, that is bad. And then that energy is like, yes, it's bad. Feels so good. <laughs> feels so good to call it bad. <laughs> Um, or you can choose a perspective. And, you know, I have this one experience that happened in my life, which happened to a friend of mine, which may prove to be helpful as a result of that. Um, it's perspective. Uh, you, you have to adopt, or it's help, helpful to adopt, this, this idea that everything that happens is divine, which is pretty traumatic when you live in a world of polarity the way that we do. And so one example is I have a friend of mine who was living on our land, Stu Bone, who I connected with on Twitter, and he was living in an Airstream, so I invited him to come over, and he parked his Airstream at our house for a while. Um, but Stu was riding in the, in the hills with a really good friend of his, and he called me one day, and he was really, really shaken up, and he said, you know, I was riding with this guy, and we peeled off, and then after we left, he crashed. 
and he was in really bad shape, like in critical condition, and he has kids, and it was brutal, and, you know, Stu was just so shaken, and he was saying, you know, what do I, what do I do, you know, and, and why was it not me, and, you know, how does that happen? And, you know, my only answer to him was, um, do not take this sacred moment away from this being. Like what, has, what this being has just experienced, no matter how horrific, is his sacred moment. And if you can hold him in that reverence of beauty, that at some level he chose this experience for his evolution, or maybe if he didn't choose it, he now has an opportunity to transform it for his own evolution, for his deepening, Maybe it wouldn't be in this life. Maybe it would be for a different life. But it's that level of faith where you, if you look at him like he's a victim and it's tragic and it's horrible, you're projecting that energy onto this being who is wounded, who what really needs is this Christ vision of you are perfect. I trust you. I believe in you. I know I know that this is divine. See, it's, a, it's coming from underneath and holding that vision no matter what's happening. And if we can hold that, then we can truly be Christ being in, in action because we're transforming his experience. Do, do we think he needs us to say you're, you're hurt, you're a victim, it's tragic, you're gonna die? Oh no, what if you die, you know? That's where all of our minds go and unwittingly, we're not supporting that being. So what Leia meant was something a little bit different than that. I don't know, the energy just took me into that, into that experience. But she was talking about holding that devotion. Yeah, so I guess it's, it's related in that. It's, it takes that level of requirement to be on planet Earth and to really commit yourself to be a walking vessel of light. It takes that level. No matter how much your personality wants to go, it's horrible you have the choice to flip it and to be a support for that. And all of us, all we want to hear is, I trust you and I believe in you. If you just sent him that, I trust you. I so trust you. I'm so with you. I so trust you. I know who you are. I know who you are. So within that experience, we can, you know, expand that out into our life. And it's this hold on loosely, you know, it's like, you have a vision, you throw it out, you try to support it, um, but there really is a lot of letting go. And I feel like in my earlier days of spiritual seeking, I used to not let go as much as I let go today. So if you're, um, if you're even chanting for a specific outcome, it's like it has to be highest divine. Like you, like you go in and you kind of make the rough marks like on your painting and you put sort of the boundaries and might write a number, this is what I'm looking for or whatever, and then you have to sort of hand it over and release and let go. But the devotion is, 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 is on like a light bulb always. Like it never, my devotion is never turned off in any situation. It's just blazing right through. And that's I think maybe what Leah was talking about. So I hope that helps.
so much these days in spirituality and people are becoming awakened or so they think there's a whole lot of what I see is like spiritual bypassing oh if you only think positive and I don't want any negativity around me it, it, uh, I need to protect myself because I only want positive things and affirmations are what are going to bring you through and I'll and I don't know, sometimes it irritates me because <laughs> I think, I can't be all that positive all the time. <laughs> There's sometimes where I'm just irritated. I just wanted to know what you thought about that, kind of that movement of just stay in that high vibe and all these things will come to you, and that sort of thing. Yeah, thank you. Um, so this is a, yeah, it's a very, a very big uh, issue and it's, from my perspective, it's a, uh, it's a bubble, it's a, um, it's a trap to get into a place where you're like, it's all love and light, it's all bliss, it's all love and light, just I think I can, I think I can. I'm like the little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, I am, I am. <laughs> um, it's just, I would say it's just sort of uh, immature and not helpful, not really ultimately helpful. Um, not that I don't experience bliss or I don't experience joy or celebration. I absolutely do. And it's really important that we cultivate that and we take time to celebrate our lives and really be in joy. But the reality is we are not in a world where it is all love and light. And all you have to do is turn on the news and see what's going on. And getting back to some things that I shared with you earlier this week, if we don't have the courage to look at the mess we can't move beyond it, or we can't transcend it, or we don't know what we're working with. And so a lot of these beings are in illusion, and the, a lot of this comes through mantra and through different setup energetics that produce a bliss state that can get you in a place where you're just like, I'm blissed out all the time. And energetically from my colleagues, uh, from my council that are in the inner realms, um, a lot of this is, it's basically a trap to suck people into that experience. And really, uh, our power is in neutrality. Our power is in understanding that we live in a world of polarity. So there's a lot of seemingly very dark experiences, and there's also a lot of seemingly very spiritual experiences. And if we, both of those dramas or illusions are causing forced reincarnation over and over and over and over again, either in the dark, seemingly dark, even in the seemingly spiritual. And the point is, is that a lot of us are done with the reincarnation, uh, forced reincarnation on this planet. And so in our neutrality, in our integration of both aspects of our being, the dark and the light, we can stay in neutrality, aggregate the light that we need to, the wisdom, and we can expand out of this trap. So neutral, loving compassion is your power. That is your power. And it's neither one nor the other. Um, this neutrality, I think, gives like a responsibility and an awareness. It's a maturity. And it's not like really, really awesome. And it's not like really, really bad, you know? It's keeping that middle ground, that neutrality, not going too high or too low, 
and observing what is with present awareness so that you can gain the lessons, the wisdom, the gifts from those experiences and really transform yourself. Just um, continuing on that last stream of thought, Sri, I heard you once say this was your last time incarnate here. And was that something that just came to you, or is it something you're working towards, or is it just a deep knowing? Always wondered that. Uh-oh. I hope I'm... <laughs> I hope I'm right. I hope I don't see you next lifetime and it'd be like, oh shit, you said, you know? I'm like, and then I'm like, did I say that publicly? Oh my God. Um, it's kind of all three, I think. I think it's a, it's a deep knowing. I think it's something I'm working towards. And what was the third one you said? Something that came to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm getting really sick of having dinners. <laughs> I'm kind of like, how many more parties can I go to? Uh, you know, I'm, it's, you know, it's kind of like, I've experienced a, a lot of life. I've been blessed enough that I've experienced a lot of life. I've been married three times. I, you know, have five children. Uh, I've done a lot of businesses. I've done a lot of life, and so, um, in a way, uh, it's my knowing of the multi-realms that keeps me here and engaged, you know. Um, I'm not ready to go yet. Let's knock on some wood. Higher self. I'm not ready to go yet. Uh, but, yeah, I just, I incarnated to really master my freedom, to become a complete free being, and to be able to travel at will, and to experience life in any realm that I want. And, that's a big task, but it's a task that is available. It's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity that's available to us. Um, this realm is, has a lot of light and dark, but it also has huge potential for transformation because of those edges, that alchemy. Because when you get in those difficult places, it's almost like a sandpaper that's like sc scraping you, and you're able to glean these, these awarenesses and pop out of different... Um, hidden places where you couldn't see before. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of know that. I kind of know it's, it's my last time. It's a lot of people's last time. It's not like it was before where it was like you had to be like a guru saint and you had to be like there was just one special one. It's not the time of one special one. It's a time of us. And that's why I say we are the ones we've been waiting for. Like, hello. Like, if you don't know that you are the ones, like no one else is flying down, you know, is going to fly down and fix this whole thing for us or experience your life or resolve your life, you're the only one. Um, and I just know my love of spirituality, um, the connections, the relationships that I've had in my life, the different shamanic sessions and contact with Indian masters and uh, you know, just the interactions that I've had, I know that I've been in many lifetimes in this uh, choice of life. It's just a choice of life. It's not better than anyone else. It's just my choice. So um, I would say that, yeah, this is many of us. It's, we're, it's, it's not, we're, we're, we didn't come here to be re, reincarnated by force, by suppression. Um, and 
I might come back again to planet Earth uh, on a next life, but it would, be, it would be out of choice. It would be because I wanted to. Um, so anyway, I hope that helps. <laughs> Okay, so thanks so much for your questions. And I think we're gonna turn this off now and we're gonna go into another breathing session. So, namaste. Thank you.
here free.